0: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: Do you ever see the water uh, bubblers where you put your bottle underneath? It and says this has saved X amount of bottles over the years. Oh yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It gets to the
1: point where over a certain number, you just can't comprehend what it is anymore. Th- this is no. a, yes, twelve
2: million chickens in a room is incomprehensible to me. It is. It's. It's. I can't. I, well, no. Mil, twelve million. million, it's, million not 12. it's not 200. twelve. Not twelve thousand chickens. One million chickens. <laughs> twelve million chickens This is General George Washington and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser
3: show
2: I should probably just just take this and, and go with this a little while longer So yesterday <clears throat> I went to play golf early in the morning I was really cold yeah, It was, was like cold in the high 30s yeah. when I got to the golf course at 7:45 it's high 30s So I'm. You said there was a frost warning. (coughs) Yes, frost delay. Frost delay. The legends don't play with a frost delay. (laughs) Yeah. So we didn't. We didn't. We had the eight o'clock tea time, which made me very happy because I knew I could get in sixteen or seventeen holes by the time I had to call Matt Kelleher for PTI. But we didn't go till eight twenty. So that's too bad. We were the first group, and we were fast. We were a full hole and a half out in front of everybody else. I I stopped. I played sixteen holes, and I'm happy about that. But anyway, so I'm walking from the parking lot to the bag area, and I'm walking with Arthur Mason. Arthur Mason plays early in the morning every single day. He's a very, very, very good player. Um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he played hockey at Cornell, which is a real big deal. Sure. And yes. I like Arthur Mason very much. Like him very much. As we are walking, he and I, from the paddleball courts, I hear a voice screaming at me. And I look up. It's Michael Crilly. Michael is Jimmy's younger brother. Okay. And Michael Crilly is screaming, 12 million chickens. (laughs) 12 million chickens. Like that. Okay. And I'm laughing because I go, yeah, it's 12. It's unbelievable, isn't it? 12 million chickens. And Arthur is sort of lost in this, what has happened here. And I explain Molly and I explain the chickens. And Arthur takes out his phone and starts googling something or other mm-hmm. and then he said to me do you know how many chickens are killed every day in the united states of america for for food Can i take a shot at that i i can't even think of it every day every day every day this many chickens are killed which which is going to put the 12 million egg laying chickens in a
4: different perspective <laughs> so it's a protected for you. class you know <laughs> Well, somebody, somebody's innocent, in, there's like 34 billion chickens on the planet. So, uh, I don't know, 100 million a day? I don't 500. know. 500. 25 million
2: chickens a, a day. day are well, we, killed. We are off by a lot, Nige. 25 <laughs> million chickens a day are killed for food for all of us. Wow. So how... Ha- how and there's many still a debate in the news as to there? what
4: is a, what is a, a boneless a wing. <laughs> Somebody sent us in a hole. How by many the way, chickens are there? We got an enormous amount of emails. About
2: chickens? <laughs> About chickens. Oh, I haven't seen them. Oh, before.
4: yeah. There's okay. one in here that's I, I can't remember what it says, but I recall the number being something of enormously high, like 34 billion chickens on the planet. So Again, this does not in any way change my
2: stupefaction at the notion that somebody owns 12 million chickens i still it's an incomprehensible number to me because i'm thinking of well where are they physically do you have a lot of plants you have a lot of places all over the country or are you just weaver eggs are you just in ohio are you just in one town in ohio do you have 12 million chickens in one town i tried to think of what if you had 12 million dollar bills how much space in your house would that take up? I imagine that not your whole house. Single dollar bills. That you know. Oh, I, I think
1: that's more than your whole house. You do. This is one of those brain teasers. Like how many how many marbles will fill up a swimming pool? How many? I I,
2: I think it adds up pretty quickly. I mean, think about a stack of a hundred. Yeah. Scott Phelan in Bozeman, Montana. There are thirty four point four billion chickens. <laughs> Currently alive in the world. Thrilling show you put on. Thanks.
4: Do we believe that? That's an animal revolution. Do we
2: believe that there are 34.4 billion chickens? We'll have to fact Do we check believe that. that?
4: Seems like it could be. By the way, it's reminiscent of a joke someone said at one point. when They ordered an omelet with chicken, and they said, that's not breakfast. That's a vendetta.
2: <laughs> okay. Right, I like that. Um, I spent my night watching the Nats. The Nats beat the Mets last night. They beat them 5 nothing. That's great.
1: Um, they're well, good they, to watch divisional baseball. Sh- finally. You were <laughs> upset about the crowd size. I'm not upset about it. I'm surprised. Do the we Mets know how been, many people The Mets have been there? one of the perennial favorites, and you look at what the East has done, and it looked pretty sparse uh, from the start. They got vocal in like the, the fifth and sixth inning, but uh, the Mets were out west for it seemed like a week and a half. I thought there'd be a big crowd. I think they're probably coming tonight to see Senga. Really? I I, I don't know. I'm trying to feel like what, like why you wouldn't go see a team that you you hope is going to go deep into
2: the playoffs. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you have a, a, a crowd? Do you have an attendance figure? Oh, uh, See if you can get, get an, an s- attendance figure on get that. the Nats and the Mets last night. One of the reasons there's not a great crowd, I would think, is that 20, the Nats, 20, Nats stink. 20,507. Well, that's not terrible. It looked for a Tuesday night, 20, and it, so it, was cold, right? it was cold, right? Yeah, it looked cold. Yeah. <clears throat> well, maybe they're counting their season tickets plus yeah their walk-up or something like that. So the Nats <clears throat> beat the Mets 5 0. Finally was got some hits. Josiah Gray's best outing of the season. Um, he was 0 4. The top of their rotation, Patrick Corbin and Josiah Gray, I believe, were 1 7 heading into last night's game. Josiah Gray had pitched well enough to lose in every single game. He'd lose by a small margin. He pitched well last night. Yeah, get out of that fifth inning jam. Yeah. He, he also had six. Strikeouts, I believe, by the third inning. The Mets are a pretty good hitting team. And and he pitched well. Yeah, like and at the five nothing, after walks. At five nothing I wrote a note to Lowell Singer and to Norby saying that I'm done. And they just wrote good night. Now, they're Mets fans and, and they were bemoaning the lack of hitting by the Mets. And I said, just remember you lost to a starter who was 0 4 going in. But if you want to talk about the lack of hitting, and I understand the Mets the Nats rather got some hits last night, there's no one in their lineup who is threatening as a hitter. They don't have a single player from one to nine, not a single player who can take it out. They don't. They they, they just don't. Dominic Smith plays every single game. Had an, Had an opportunity last night, I think in the sixth inning, with second and third and two out, and just popped out harmlessly to left field. He has four. He's like a big hitter. He has four RBI. They played 22 games. Uh, About that. Yeah. He's got four RBI and no home runs. He has no extra base hits. Mm. He has no extra base hits. And he's a three, four, five hitter. Yeah. that's. They don't have anybody. I know there was a home run. Noah, an off the wall double last night. So that was Luis
1: Garcia. Uh, But before that, they had runners in scoring position. Uh, Ruiz hit a home run last night. And, uh, Ruiz. Yeah. Uh, but they had runners in scoring position in five out of the first six innings and, and only had two runs to to, uh, to show for it. And if you looked at that fifth inning, they're one sort of uh, bloop single away from having the game become, you know, exactly. out of hand. Exactly. There's no one there. Tra- you have to pitch around. There's no one you're really worried about. They're, no. they're going to change the game. You look at what is happening in the Red Sox-Orioles game and the, there was wild
2: swings oh, and score at the end. Grand slams on both sides. So yeah. today, <clears throat> as a little uh, PTI preview, let me drink some water here because I've have- yeah, the tree pollen's down, but it's still there. As a little PTI preview, what did we do this? Maybe we did this yesterday. Maybe we did it yesterday. Happy anniversary, Trey Turner. On oh, the, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. the occasion of Trey Turner's first cycle, which he got with the Nats when they beat the Colorado Rockies 15 to 12. And Trey Turner, for a scrawny little guy, much like Dansby Swanson, much like Francisco Lindor, these are shortstops with pop. Yeah. They can hit it out. They can hit 25 fi- to 30 home runs. Efficient power. Yeah. Yes. You know, a way, they yeah. can do yeah. this. Yeah. That's on a team where you have Bryce Harper, you know, and you have Trey Turner. Have you seen oh, the Sh- Have you
1: seen the Schwarber uh, Wawa commercial for Schwarbops? No. Oh, fantastic. No. Oh.
2: You know, over the years, oh, the I Nats think about this every time. Guys with pops. When I fold
1: laundry and I see the T-shirts that are, you know, going through the cycle with the kids, the Turner, the Soto T-shirt. Yeah,
2: gone. Soto's terrible now. It's it's a bad trade for him. He, he needs to get out. He's in 190, 198. Yeah, he needs to get out of of San Diego because something went wrong there for him. Okay, but the Nats had eight to ten guys over the last eight to ten years. Yeah, who could hit it out at any time. At any t- they don't have a hitter. How do you get into major leagues without a hitter? They don't have a single hitter where you're fearful of him. Am I wrong? I don't think no, I'm No you're wrong. not. And
1: then you also look at the aging Wirth or Zimmerman where you understood like they, they you know not yeah, they oh, could sure. still give you that timely yeah. hit. Dangerous. and you look at the types of guys who are coming up. You have um, you know, medium to smaller size outfielders and infielders who don't who don't have that presence. It's you're remembering when they didn't have that big first baseman for a long time.
2: Yeah. I mean, Trey Turner was a shortstop who could hit it out. CJ Abrams cannot
4: hit it out. Yeah,
2: he can't hit it out. I mean, did they can't... have
4: anyone? There's always somebody in the minors. You know, oh, this kid's a big thumper. Do they? I don't do know they got anybody like I that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. They'd have brought that somebody up to replace Dominic Smith. <laughs> like Joey Manessis, is, he's a he can hit a lot of doubles.
4: He's not a yeah, but not no, a home run guy. No, they don't have anybody. And if you're going to have a team like that, then you need just lights out pitching. You know,
2: one other thing, Patrick
4: Corbin day. Patrick, was this right? Bet on the over, right? Yeah. One other thing I would
2: like to mention. Over the last two weeks to two and a half weeks, on the PTI show, whenever I've taken the position that I've been consistent with, that the Phoenix Suns, with the addition of Kevin Durant, are the best team in basketball, I've been met by screaming skepticism from Michael Wilbon and Kendrick Perkins, basically saying I'm an imbecile. Kendrick (laughs) Perkins flat out declared that the Clippers would beat the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. How's that working out? Uh, because Phoenix won the series last night 4-1. to one. Now you can say to me, oh, well, the best two players on the Clippers didn't play three games. Kawhi Leonard didn't play three, and Paul George didn't play any. Paul George is a dog, okay? He gave himself the nickname Playoff P. <laughs> He's a dog. He's one of the worst clutch players ever who's gotten run for being a great player. So I don't want to even hear about him. Kawhi Leonard's a great player, but he doesn't get out there. He doesn't get out. Steven Strasburg's a great pitcher. He doesn't pitch. You're paying Kawhi Leonard a lot of money. He's hurt. He doesn't play. Who won the series? Phoenix won the series. Wilbon talked about how he voted uh, De'Aaron Fox, first team All-NBA, ahead of Devin Booker. Devin Booker had forty-seven last night, didn't he? Devin, like that. Devin Booker's yeah. averaged about forty in this series. You can talk about De'Aaron Fox all you want; he's sitting, I think, on a in a two-two situation, I think, and Devin Booker's sitting in a four-one situation, waiting for the next round. Just wanted to mention that. We'll take a break
4: when we come back. Booker McFarland, what? What I have. At least an early fact check on how many chickens are in the planet. How many? This just says over 33 billion. Well,
2: that's the whole planet, though. Like, a lot of them could be in places that we don't know about. Like, I don't, you know.
4: You, you know like unknown species the, of chicken? The, the Azores? The Uruguay could have 9 billion. I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. They say it's difficult because the, the population numbers changes every day, <laughs> every day. When they kill 25 million a day. <laughs>
2: exactly. It's hard to keep tabs. Booger McFarlane, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is sent to us by Eric Galley, who writes, My friend Luquesa Morin was born and bred in Metro D.C., but she's moved on to warmer pastures in San Diego. She has a beautiful singing voice, and she has composed and sung many songs. Perhaps you can play the attached song during the show one day. She owns all the rights. It's a show, what's it called? The song is called All About That. All About That, because it doesn't have that here. Oh, sorry. All About That. Luquessa, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Morin. Michael, if people like Luquessa Morin want to have their music played on this show and played without us yapping over it at the end of the show, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com Just a lovely voice. Yes, she does. She's a lovely voice. She plays in Booger McFarlane on the occasion of the draft, which begins tomorrow night, which is now a three-day deal. Used to be a one-day deal. Used to in the real old days, never be on TV. There was no central headquarters. People just called you and said, hey, I'm with the Baltimore Colts. We just took you in the third round. And you say, well, do you have the right number? Stuff like that. <laughs> but you played football, and you talk about football. Um, Wilbon thinks the draft is the most overhyped. Well, he thinks everything about the NFL is overhyped, even though then he claims to watch it. <laughs> but he thinks the draft is ridiculous and always screams, you're on the clock. Do you, as a former football player, do you like the draft? Do you find it exciting?
6: Yeah, the draft is exciting. And and I'll tell you why. And you have to understand this. Um, There's going to be 250 or so players drafted. And those players, Tony, uh, it's the biggest night of their life. And for somebody that's gotten that call before, um, it's something that culminates a lot of hard hard work, uh, a lot of memories. It changes lives, man. So, yeah, it, it may be uh, – or it may seem to be a big hoopla on the outside and, and maybe a little bit too much and overboard. But I think the appetite for the NFL, the sensation that our country has for uh, storylines and, and emotion, I think all that ties together. And you, you see how teams are built and you see young men's lives change right before your eyes. And I think that's that's why the draft is is, is always – intriguing to people because it's kind of a little bit of insight into the nfl kind of how the groceries are are shot for and what teams are looking for and how teams are going to be built and then when the draft is over the nfl kind of goes on a little hiatus for a little while and yeah. then you pick it picks back up in uh july and, and on we go to training camp
2: so so because most people don't know, don't have a lot of depth about college football overall, except maybe the team that they root for, or the conference that they're in. It is very easy to concentrate on quarterbacks being at the top of the draft. And I'm not going to suggest, I'd be a fool to suggest, that a quarterback is an overrated position. Because if you have a great quarterback, you're in it every... If you have Patrick Mahomes, you're in it every single year. But I'm wondering if, as a football player, you feel there is a position... Uh, that is overrated in terms of the draft and a position that may be underrated in terms of the draft?
6: Well, the underrated is always going to be the non-sexy positions of linemen. Mm -hmm. Any offensive lineman or defensive lineman, particularly offensive, because it's hard to keep a stat for them. So it's hard to quantify what they do. So when your team selects an offensive tackle, everybody can't go, oh, man, great. What does he do? Like, like, no one really knows except the people that are hardcore football players that that's how your team is built. You know, f- football teams are always built front to back, inside out. Yeah. Like, that's the way you build your team. And so uh, offensive linemen, very, very underrated, very non-sexy. Uh, as, as far as overrated, Tony, um, I think wide receivers are probably overrated. It's not going to be quarterbacks because those guys touch the ball every play. Yeah. And when you touch it every play, you got to be able to control it. And, and if you don't have one, you're really looking for one, and you're not gonna you're not gonna win without one. But wide receivers, like I remember growing up, Tony, everybody on my street could catch a ball and run, and uh, some were bigger than others, sure. But even now, like you can find wide receivers really anywhere. Now they may not be uh, DeAndre Hopkins in his prime or Stephon Diggs, but you can find guys that can catch the ball and run. And so I, I think. Uh, you're going to see that play out tomorrow night. I don't think you're going to see a ton of wide receivers drafted high because there's so many that uh, that the depth in this draft is really good.
2: Would you, if you ran a team, if you were a GM, would you rather draft a player or sign a free agent?
6: I'd rather draft a player. You because would? i go the other yeah. way. Go ahead, tell me why. Well, because here's the deal. When you draft a player from an economic standpoint, it's in your favor uh, because the, the deal's are already slotted. And so from a bookkeeping standpoint, you know exactly what you're done with and you have very limited financial obligations for the first three or four years. Even if you draft a guy number one overall, the, the financial obligations are very limited and your risk is, is not as high. When you go out and get a free agent like Odell Beckham and you pay him, even though the Ravens gave him one year and, $18 million, that's a lot of coin for one player to not know what you're going to get. If he gets hurt, uh, if he doesn't have a good season, and now you have $18 million tied up in a player yeah. that you may not get a return out of. And plus, it's kind of fun. Like, you know, I, don't know, I don't know about you, Tony, but every now and then I like going to the grocery store. And I'll, I'll throw a hat on, i go to the grocery store, and I'll, I'll, I'll go up and down the aisles and kind of see what they got out there a little bit. You know, I'm not a big shopper. But every now and then I enjoy shopping, and I equate drafting players to shopping. Except you've done a lot of research, you've done a lot of homework, and it's a, a finite amount of time that you get to pick the, the the groceries, which is which is really really cool.
2: I love going to the grocery store. I really? absolutely love it, and I go down every single aisle, even the aisles where I know I'm not going to buy anything. I love going to the grocery store. I'm not good at other things. The hardware store is confusing to me, but the grocery store is great. All right, let me get to personal stuff. You were a great player uh, at LSU. Where were you physically? Now, now they bring a lot of people in to New York or some other place wherever they hold the draft. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Brady Quinn, I remember, didn't get picked and didn't and was looking for a place to hide. Where were you when you were drafted?
6: I was in Winsboro, Louisiana, this is when the draft started on Saturday. It started at noon on Saturday, and literally, uh, which was 11 a.m. Central Time, I was at my mom's house, and we were just having a big cookout and a big party. And we invited like everybody who we knew came by, stopped by, and my mom was kind of sitting in, in the back of the room, uh, just relaxing, just laying low. And it was a long wait. And this is back when there were 15 minutes between each pick. And so the draft started at 11 central. I didn't get picked until about
5: 220,
6: 230 central. So it was a long wait. And, you know, the picks went by very slow. And I just watched on TV, man. That's it. Like, there was no big hoopla. There was no uh, via satellite. There was no camera at the house. Um, I had a prepaid cell phone. My agent had a cell phone. Uh, My mother's phone at the house rang. Um, But other than that, it it was just kind of a laid-back atmosphere because I I didn't want to go to New York because going to New York would have meant that I would have had a limited number of people in my circle that would have been able to come. And there were far too many people that I wanted to thank and show appreciation for that day um, that I didn't want to leave them out. So we just kind of hung out in the yard and had a nice little country party and barbecued all day, Tony.
2: Where did you want to go? Was there a team where you said, that's the one I want?
6: I didn't, I didn't have a want, but because I played in the Senior Bowl and Tampa Bay coached the Senior Bowl, I developed a relationship with those guys. And so I knew when I left the Senior Bowl in Mobile in late January, and I knew the Bucks were picking 15, I knew I wasn't going past Tampa at 15. Okay. Now, the key was was anybody else going to pick pick me before that i wanted to be picked as high as possible tony because that meant that that was that meant more money man like i didn't really have a preference as far as um team now obviously i didn't want to go play in a cold weather city and i I probably didn't need to go to miami or atlanta just because those two cities had a lot to do and for a country boy who was very limited and some of the things that I've done in my life, putting me in Miami or me in Atlanta with a lot of money, might, might not have been good. You know, you, you, know you, you and I might not have been having this conversation now, but um, other than that, I really didn't have a preference because um, it's a lifelong dream that um, I worked for and my mother had helped and sacrificed me to get to that point. So, um, I mean, I just kind of sit back and waited and I'll never forget when the phone rang, Tony. And to me, the moment that made it worthwhile for me, the moment that really said, you know what, like, this is really impactful, not just to me, was mm-hmm. it's the first time I ever saw my mother cry uh, as, as I'm on the phone. And because they called my agent, and he passed me the phone, and and she looks at me, so she can tell this is the call, because I'm like, yes, sir, and uh, can't wait. And she starts crying. It's the first time I ever saw her crying. Like, for a kid, I mean, I'm I'm 21 at the time. Like that really meant something uh because she was happy and she knew that I was happy. And when as I became older and you became a parent and it's it's one thing when you're happy but man it's something totally different when your kids become happy and you're happy for them. Man that changed my life and I still smile about it years later cuz now I got kids. I got a teenager uh, and one that's a preteen. And, and so, like, I, I, I kind of live through them and just to make them happy and to great raise them the right way. But I always think about that moment of her being excited and happy.
2: That's for nice. That's lovely. So, and, and it was Tampa Bay. Prior to that, was there any team, as you watch in the draft, that drafts somebody and you say, ah, they should have got me? I mean, that team should have got me.
6: No question. Tony, listen, there were, I was picked 15. There were five quarterbacks taken before me. There were two running backs taken before me. There were uh, there was an offensive tackle. Like I, I used to sit there. It, it was it was Tim Couch, Achilles Smith, Donovan McNabb, Ricky Williams, Adrian James, Tim Bailey, David Boston, um, John Tate. Uh, I used to know them all by heart. Oh, yeah. And this is this is 24 years ago. I mean, it, it was all those guys. And I'm like, like uh, who else? Dante Culpepper. Um, and all these guys, Tony, I'm like, man, I'm a better player than him. Ohio, I, oh, I went to LSU. He went to Ohio State. Like I said that about everybody, especially the because I'm like Tim Couch, man. I used to, I used to slam Tim Couch on Saturday nights. And uh, so, yeah, you do that every play. But at the same time, you try to be happy for your fellow competitors. But you also realize that there's a little bit of selfishness inside because everybody wants to be picked as high as they can.
2: So. A long time ago, I was covering an all-star game. Might have been Magic Johnson's second or third year in the league. And I had an idea to write a column by going to the all-stars and saying, if you weren't this, if you weren't an NBA player, what do you think you would have done with your life? Um, And then occasionally Isaiah Thomas said, oh, I'd have been president. And I said, you're not 35 years old. There's a constitutional limit. You wouldn't be president now. And he goes, oh, I'd be something else. But occasionally, you get somebody, and Julius Irving and Magic Johnson were the two that I remember. Julius Irving was a little bit older then, in his mid to late 30s. And he said, yeah, I'd be working at Grumman on Long Island, putting airplanes together. And Magic Johnson, who was just always a little bit wise before his years, said... Oh, I'd be on the line, GM. That's where I'm from. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be on the line. If you weren't this thing that you are, if there were no sports, do you have any idea what you would have been?
6: You know, that's a good question, Tony. Uh, I I enjoy people. Uh, I majored in business management at LSU. Um, I wanted to be involved with, with business and people. And so a specific job I couldn't tell you but I, I I definitely that intrigued me um it kind of gave me a reason to go to all those classes I did uh, not just to stay eligible not just to do that but it's just like in, it business intrigued me numbers always intrigued me so i would I would have probably been in some form of business mm-hmm. whether it be whether it be ownership or whether it be um uh, maybe I, you know working my way up to be a high level executive I enjoyed managing and being around people and communicating with people just because I'm a people person, and so I, I think it would have been some form of business and people, business and relationship um, situation.
2: That's nice to know. Now get you out of here on this. What in God's name is Deion Sanders doing at Colorado? <laughs> what is he doing? What is he doing? Thirty-one players are leaving. He hates them all. Oh well, you know. Go ahead. Well, you know,
6: here's the thing, Tony, is that you know nowadays there's there's it's easy to turn your roster over. And and I think for the first time, Coach Prime had players that he, he looked at, and I think, honestly, he's asking himself, can I can I win? Can I compete with these players? And probably a lot of them, he said no.
2: He did, he said and I'm, no. Hmm.
6: And I'm, I'm assuming that some of those players left because, A, they didn't get any playing time, and, and they saw the writing on the wall, and then the others he probably asked to leave because he needs better players. Now... Uh, is it the right way to do things? I, I don't know. Just because kids go to college and the old model, you're supposed to nurture the players, the coach, and all that good stuff. Well, it's not happening like that anymore. Like, this is really turned into a business, business. Where, the, yeah. where these kids are looking for NIL and and coaches can go out and kind of basically buy their team. Um, I just know that the amount of excitement that he has around that program, wow. you could see it on, on on Saturday during the spring game. Now, it's just a spring game, and there's a lot of turnover that's got to happen. I just hope that he can get the right players because they have a chance to kind of start fast. I mean, they could be, you know, two and one. And then it's going to be murder's row. It's USC. It's Utah. It's Oregon. And I, just, I, I don't think anybody in their right mind is looking at Colorado to be able to win those games. But for a team that was 1-11 last year, uh, if he can get to, I don't know, four wins, you have to say it, it's a success. Yes. But I think Dion is just really being honest with itself and trying to turn their roster over. And it seems wrong because when 31 kids leave, um, you know, it, it almost seems like he's putting them out. And uh, maybe he's, that's what he's doing. But this is where college football is now.
2: He's, he's the guy you want to watch all year long. All right. Will we see you later on PTI? Are you going to be on the PTI show later?
6: Yes. I'll see you later.
2: Wonderful. I'll see you through the magic of television. Thank you, Booger.
6: Anytime. Y'all
2: have a great day. Booger McFarland, boys and girls, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Bob Ryan. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The
0: Tony Kornheiser Show. I'm an AI bot and I'm not on strike. You can hire me to write what you like. I can write kind of funny, I can write pretty dry, i write happy time items for PTI. I can make you laugh, I can make you sob, I can write you right out of your freaking job. I come up with a good half-baked idea. I I can write just like Greg Garcia, I'm flexible, I'm available, I'll never go on strike, I can be like Mike, I can write like the Beatles, I can write like the boss, got the Genesee Quad, got the special sauce. I can write like Nigel, I can, I will, just pop on in and you'll be through. I can write like Chaucer, I can write like the bard, like Pablo Torre or Levitard. I can write like Wilbon. I'm not surprised, I can write like a goy or circumcised, I can write just like Louise Cook, I'm the best, I don't need a chance. And I don't need a desk I can write with Swagger I can write with Moxie I can write like Chuck I can write like Roxy So when the writers strike Let me take their spot I'm your dream employee I'm an AI bot I can write like Lupica Sure I can Don't need benefits Or a pension plan So when the writers strike Bring me in and then You're never gonna want Those writers back again I'm an AI bot I'm
2: an
0: AI bot I'm I'm an AI bot I'm an AI bot
2: Dan Vern is brilliant. He said he couldn't resist doing this. And no, know. He's irresistible himself and he, totally brilliant. He really is. Did he have a line in there, I'm a goy or I'm circumcised yep. or something like that? Pretty, pretty wild. All right. Plays in Bob Ryan, the quintessential American sports writer. And when I sat down yesterday to write questions for you, the first thing I wrote down is, two Boston teams poised to move on. Except last <laughs> night, you know, except last night, Trey Young Sank a three with about seven seconds ago or whatever it was, and in Boston, in Boston, Atlanta extended the series to three two. Now I don't think they're going to win Atlanta, but what what were your thoughts watching that and the mood in Boston?
5: First of all, you've had an eighty five and it's easy to dance to. No, <laughs> <Okay>. so, <that's,
2: laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah.
5: so that's number one. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I, I was there, and when they were leading by. Uh, 13 with six-something to go. Uh, and particularly when they were down to about the four-minute mark, I said, okay, guys, uh, it's just about stops now. Just stop them. You don't need any more points. You, you, it, this is about defense. And, and, of course, it never materialized. And Young had his way. And it wasn't just Young. They, too many wide-open guys. Bay hurt them. Collins hurt them. Uh, Bogdanovich hurt them. But, of course, with, accounting for 64 total points, Trey Young hurt them the most. Um, two things, Tony. When they were up 2-0 and there were routes, uh, it was, you know, it was just everybody was assuming it was going to be a sweep and all that. And, and the two reasons I did not. One is that, uh, like you, Tony, uh, I'm so often burdened by knowledge yeah. and, hist- and history. And, and I've seen too many 2 O's turn into 2-2. Two, uh, and, and, and this, to me, had no reason why I couldn't. Because, and the second reason being, uh, I don't trust this team. They have not earned my trust, and they should not have earned the trust of any fan that they are going to live up to their potential. Uh, they are the most talented team, top to bottom, in the NBA. But they're not the best team yet until they manifest that talent. And then they, met, you know, they, they do it. Last night was an exhibit A. They failed the test. It was it wasn't the final exam, but it was an exam, and they failed it. And and now they're in a situation where they have to, go to, you know, they got to go win win another game. On, and I think they will. In fact, I do think they're going to win on on uh, and, and in Atlanta. But if they don't, they got a seventh game at home, and they should win. But they have they got. People nervous around here because, you know, last year they were definitely appeared to be in control of that series in the finals. And, and then the, the adults uh, took over and, and showed them they still had something to learn. But, Tony, it is not about talent. They do not need any infusion of talent. Right. They have all the talent necessary. They touch all the bases ta- technically. And and uh, but they just have to go do it when it matters, and that's another matter. Okay, so people here are uh, a little anxious, and it was disappointing, but uh, but I, I still think they're going to you know prevail. Now, uh, you know, now there's much more faith in the Bruins, uh, who are winning without Bergeron and Krejci anyway, and and now getting Bergeron back tonight. And I would be very surprised if they don't finish it off tonight.
2: I will get to the Bruins in a second. There is a follow-up yep. question I have on the Celtics, and in watching what Miami has done. With Milwaukee, and you know, just saying if if Miami mm-hmm. were to win that series, mm-hmm. who gets the most benefit? Well, to me, the most benefit goes to Boston and Philadelphia because the winner of that series is going to have a reasonably clear path into the finals. Do do you agree with that? Well, and, yeah, and if there's a paper, team, if there's a team that you really can't trust, I would say it's Philadelphia.
5: Well, Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> It's so iffy now because of Embiid's situation, but also they're not particularly deep, I don't think. Right. Uh, I like their starting five, and I certainly like, I'm a big, I'm a charter member of the Maxi fan club. I, I signed up back in Lexington, believe me. So I'm, I'm a big believer in Maxi. And, of course, Embiid, you can't exaggerate how good Embiid is when he's on his game. He is extraordinary. And, and, uh, and unstoppable. And he bothers the Celtics a great deal. They, 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 they will not look forward to a series with Embiid. Last time they saw him, he only had 52. Oh. And so, uh, yeah, and that's going to refresh everyone's mind. Uh, about uh, Miami, all year long I said, don't sleep on Miami. I respect Bolster enormously. Yeah. And, and Jimmy Butler, as we've seen, when he wants to play, uh, uh, you know, I shouldn't put it that way, when, when, when he gets juiced up to play at his high playoff level, he's, uh, we all saw what that can mean the other night. Uh, and they don't have hero. But they have a guy that was sitting on the bench doing nothing for three months and had lost his job, and that was Duncan Robertson. But now they can plug him back in, and, and, and they're not going to lose that much if, if he plays the way he's capable of playing. Um, you know, people are saying, "Well, good. It'll be great if Milwaukee loses to Miami." Well, I've been through that one too in my in the past when you you, uh, you the team that you think is going to win win doesn't win, and you think, "Well, that other team, they're inferior." Well, they beat the other team. Damn it! they yeah. the Miami will come in with, a, with feeling very very good about themselves if they finish off this series. And they and they. I have, agree. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's it's all part of the fun of the playoffs. There's so many dynamics.
2: Let me get to the hockey then, because. I think that even people like me, who really don't know much about hockey, we look back at this season that the Boston Bruins have had, and you say to yourself, you know what, they should win. It would be nice if they won. It would be nice if they, unlike the Seattle Mariners, if they yeah. capped off a record season by actually winning the Stanley Cup. And the odds are against that, as we've seen in the last 20 years, if you finish mm-hmm. first, more often than not, way more often than not, You don't win. So this brings me to this question, because it's over now in terms of of Game 2. But Game 2, when the Bruins lost at home 6-3, to there had to be shockwaves reverberating throughout Boston.
5: Well, the nature of it, because it was 2-2 after two periods, and and they have traditionally been uh, traditionally they have this year been the team that would stop you in the third period, and it happened to them. Yeah. Uh. And, and that was the shocking aspect that they got blown away at home in the third period. That has not happened all year, literally not once. And and now uh, their the response was terrific. And I think that tells us something. I, uh, uh, but once again, I'm going to harken to the history thing. When you've been around too long, you, 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 it, it's a burden. Uh, we, uh, 1971 Bruins were an enormously successful team with three 100-point scorers. Three. And Ken Hodge being the third. And if I have to name the first two, then you don't know anything about hockey. To I would have with. said
2: Esposito and Orr. That would have been well, you my would. guess. Well, you're
5: correct. And the third yeah. was Ken Hodge. <laughs> okay. okay. They were beaten by... Uh, Montreal with a rookie goaltender who had played six games prior to the playoffs, some guy named Dryden. Yeah, yeah. And that, I mean, that memory for many of us lingers, and, and we've seen it can happen. So uh, I, that's what I, I was cautious going into the, about my expectations going into the playoffs. But in truth, there's a re- they, they didn't win these games all season. They didn't set these records. They didn't get these points. They didn't get these total victories. They didn't finish first in all kinds of categories uh, by accident. They were terrific. They're deep. And also, you've got to give... Um, Don Sweeney, enormous credit for picking up three useful players at the trading deadline that are in, for, in, integral to what they're doing now: Orloff, the defenseman, Hathaway, uh, who's a bruising wing, and Vertuzi, and, uh, uh, Fertuzzi, uh, and uh, uh, who, who brings you a, a, an edge. And uh, they—they've you know, they, got every—and they got uh, the of goaltender for sure. Winner is Olmark, and a great, ba- excellent backup. There's nothing they don't have, right? You know, and they're showing it now without Bergeron and Krejci, and they're still winning. Uh, so it'll be a real, real, really, a, a, to me, a bigger disappointment certainly if the Bruins don't win than if the Celtics don't. Win.
2: I I agree, but I'm, I mean, and I would cast it in a different way in terms of disappointment. Disappointment only that they were and are that good, and they, you know, they deserve to win. This is a dangerous area for a former sports writer, but in my mind, they deserve to win because of what oh, they've no. done.
5: I, I, I like last night's game, as that game was unfolding, as, as the Hawks, when they finally caught up uh, and everything, I said, they deserve to win. Celtics, I'm sorry. No. This is, uh, you, yeah. The Hawks deserve to win, and, and they made the big plays, and the Celtics made the, I won't say bonehead, but Marcus Smart, you know, you, you have to throw, take a whole package with certain people. Uh, he's so reckless at times, and it, as, as opposed to being uh, aggressive. Uh, that's one thing. That's a positive. Recklessness is, is a negative. And he committed a useless foul going for a loose ball that he didn't need. To, and, and I thought it was a bad call, but he, was, he, 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 got, he did not get the benefit of the doubt. That didn't help him. And how about, by the way, Jason Tatum getting a technical foul in the last minute and a half of a, of you can't a game. can't do that. You a can't bitching do about a call in which he wasn't involved. You can't do it. No. And it, we, we this, this so you right then in their tone I said okay you deserve to lose you and I did say well, I used the other word
2: okay I figured you might can I go back to hockey just for one second yes, sure. hockey has different rules than other sports hockey does not disclose the nature of why you don't <laughs> play. Bergeron. I don't know why he didn't play. Does anyone know?
5: It's an upper body injury, Tom. That's all they feel. That's all our need to know in the hockey world. (laughs) It's either upper body or lower body. And maybe someone could be concussed. That would be the third. Other than that, that's all they think we need to know. I have no idea what it is.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do you like nondisclosure like that? I assume they do it so the other team doesn't pick on yeah, that body part. Yeah, I block. know.
5: I think, uh, I think a lot of that... Uh, I, in general terms, in all sports, uh, I, I, I think it's nonsense. But it's part of this, their codes. Hey, okay. we have a... You may have heard about this. We have a certain football coach who's not big on divulging information. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> so I know. We've, we've learned to live with that. All
2: right, here's a, here's something I wanted to ask you. Um, Ime Udoka, oh. who in his one year as a head coach in the NBA, went to the NBA Finals. So the notion that he's not good, does not stand. Well, no. It does not stand. Uh, Boston got rid of him for conduct unbecoming with a female subordinate. Everybody knows that at this point. Just hired in Houston. Your thoughts on them hiring him?
5: Uh, well, we'll see. interesting to see what the reaction is among any females that are involved in the situation, be they uh, uh, employees of the team, uh, be they... Uh, 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 Significant others, or wives, or partners of, of, of administrators, or or of, of players. I don't know. I mean, how he's going to be uh, the, the Celtics, by the way, uh, who the players loved him yeah. and, and have been pretty universal in their support of him and, and are applauding this hire. In the, in, as I read in the paper this morning. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know what he has to do. Does he have to go and, and you know, go into the sackcloth and ashes? does he got to make a public confession? Uh, you know, does he have to uh, uh, take out an ad in, in, in the Houston Chronicle now and say, I'm a, I'm a, I, I regret what I did, but I promise you I won't be, you know, messing around with any females anymore. Uh, I don't know what he has to do. Uh, but you're right about his, his reputation as a coach. Uh, it it It... it Was enhanced last year naturally, and and uh, they they're hiring a good coach. But we'll see if there's any backlash. I I don't know if there will be.
2: Well, I bring this up because it's Houston, and I know it's a different team, and I know it's a different sport. But if there's Uh anybody that treated women terribly and scandalously, it was the Sean Watson, and that may you know just to me is wow. There's going to be an echo because of that.
5: Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't connected that dot, mm-hmm. but that, that's very good. And, of course, then there's a matter of chicanery, you know, with the Astros and all that. Oh, so, yeah. But, right, but, but much more direct uh, is the Watson uh, reference. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how it's going to be. That's a, it's an open question. Well, I can't predict. I don't know, uh, you know, how forgiving people are going to be. And, uh, and once again, I don't know what he can do to, to try to win people over if he needs to do that. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, other than what I said, maybe you ought to take out a new ad in the paper. I don't know.
2: <laughs> we'll see. Thank you, Bobby.
5: As always, always Bob, Bob care, Ryan,
2: bye-bye. the quintessential American sports writer. It's, I have to say that I don't know how you felt about this, but when he said I was at the game, I just thought I got a little smile on my face. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, you were at the game. <laughs> I should be at games. I, I don't anymore. I'm at the TV. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
5: Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email, faxes, and your notes. Here comes
3: Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Hey, Tony! Come on, come on!
8: Hey, Tony! Read that mail now, baby.
2: Love hot pink hangover. <laughs> Love them. Love <clears> them. <throat> That's just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, woman, get your head out of curlers. Time to get your butt out of bed. Get down your hats and your baggage, my child. Going back home, getting back to the homestead. That's a song called Ghastly Alley Bread by the Hollies. That's a great song. That is a song about demography being destiny, that we tried as much as we can, but this is our ceiling. We just can't go above the ceiling. Now, a lot of people do get above the ceiling, but it's a lovely song. The Hollies much like the Zombies, are very underrated group. Yes. The Kinks, not an underrated group, not an overrated group. The Kinks, justly rated for being smart and good. The Hollies, really good. People look at a variety of early songs like Bus Stop and Stop, 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 and they think, oh, pop group. I don't know. Gasoline Alley Bread. Um, yeah, which was 1970. Came out a little bit you know, later. Sometimes yeah. all I need is the air that I breathe. You know, they yeah.
4: really... Long, cool woman.
2: Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Really good. you want to do the Bethesda Bagel Air for
4: Bethesda you? Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area near Stu. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Thanks to our guests today, Bob Ryan and Booger McFarlane. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Priceline
2: ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Odyssey. If you get to show through Apple, leave us a review. From Alex Turchi, <clears throat> I'm gonna have this. I've had this cold all day now.
4: Do you think it's COVID? Do you think I have COVID? Well, you I did go the to shot. a wedding. I you did golf in 40 degree weather, so <clears throat> could be just a bit of a chill. I took the shot, and my arm is is better. It's better now, right? Not
1: great. Do you feel are are your symptoms <clears throat> better after that rain washed all the pollen off, or no?
2: I, I I'm just now. I'm I'm just choking. You know, this is not a good thing. I'm trying to drink enough water to not choke, and I'm choking. Well, we're trying to give you space to take that necessary sip. Yes. From Alex Turchie in Carrboro, North Carolina. Tony made a reference to the March solstice recently. I thought I might help with his general confusion. It's an equinox or an equinox in March and September, and a solstice in June and December. Solstices are the longest and shortest days of the year while equinoxes or equinoxes occur when the day and night are equally as long. Come on, man. We've been over this before. What are we doing here? (laughs) From Tyler Etchenkamp, a lovely emailer from Lincoln, Nebraska. Ask Michael if he remembered to pack a crust of bread for each of the boys for the Naps (laughs) game. A snack, uh, from from Ron hearing Michael talk about the first game certificate he got for the captain reminded me to tell your listeners about another first game option, And a that pen. parents who want to oh, give yes. their kids something more than half an orange soda at the game. Most <laughs> teams sell the dugout lineup card for each game, and some will allow you to reserve and pay for them ahead of time. Because there are only two cards, one in each dugout, it's not only a memory for your child, it's a valuable piece of memorabilia you can sell if your child wants to attend a saliza type school. I bought the lineup card from the day my daughter was born, and 12 years later, it's framed on her bedroom wall, and even though she'd never sit and watch a baseball game, she still proudly displays it. I didn't know that. That is so cool. I had no idea. We should call the Nats. Yes. I would do that for a wedding, too. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From Seth Schaner. 214 beat the Phillies. (laughs) Chuck and Roxy, 207, New Albany, Ohio. Your conversation with Greg Garcia about the pending writer strike and the possibility of studios using A.I., in lieu of writers made me think Greg needs to lean into this idea and make a show about AI in the writers room. Greg can play himself or hire someone to do so. I'm thinking Matthew Reese so Kerry Russell sightings could be regular occurrences. And he's pitching a show idea to a studio only to have the studio force him to use AI. But here's a twist. The studio has hired Intel To build a robot-looking computer that is to serve as Greg's AI writer. And Greg risks losing the show if he harms the robot, which he is constantly tempted to do. (laughs) We get to find out if Greg's mind has finally met its match as it battles AI on a daily basis. Maybe Nigel could voice the robot. From Adam Pankratz. uh, My name is Adam Pankratz, writing from British columbia canada home of soda bears i was delighted the pilfering bear made your show i know canada makes it on your show from time to time though the last mention i could clearly think of was when several curlers got so drunk at a televised bone spiel, bon spiel i don't know what that means b-o-n-s-b-i-e-l they couldn't play and got thrown out of the tournament i'd like to assure our american friends that Canada is a country of more than drunk curlers and thieving bears. We also eat moose meat covered in maple syrup between periods of our pickup hockey leagues on our perpetually frozen streets. Thanks for the laughs. From Ryan Sailing in Plymouth, Michigan 69 cans of soda out of a vehicle. That bear's got nothing on Wade Boggs on a cross country flight. From Elliot oh, Olshansky My cousin Mara Cone Ioannidis is a professor at Missouri State University and the president of the Midwest Jewish Studies Association. Through her, I recently learned that the 35th annual conference of the Midwest Jewish Studies Association will be held this October at York College in Toronto. I thought Wilbon would want to know. Best regards from Suffolk County, where I recently purchased two bags of Toronto Raptors branded Ruffles chips, mozzarella marinara and poutine from the new full service exotic snack boutique in the Smith Haven Mall. Picture attached for News Channel 8, of the rough. chips, hmm. From Ken Scudder in Tacoma Park, Maryland. As the father of four-year-old twins, my weeks are spent worrying about what the hell to do with them on weekends. When I heard about the day of the book fair in Kensington, Maryland, I was intrigued. When I saw the first act on the children's stage was the Great Zucchini, I told the woman related to me by marriage, we're going. The Great Zucchini was as great as Michael and the other littles have said. He had about 40 toddlers squealing and cheering like Liz Clark during Thunder Road Encore. (laughs) I did give him a hearty lechiserie after he was done, but considering how many kids were around, I forewent the TK salute. Yes, I'm the great zucchini. Zucchini. (laughs) From Chip Robinson in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. When I was growing up in Kentucky, my grandparents owned a farm in Bourbon County. They raised tobacco and beef cattle. These days, the cattle they raise would be called grass-fed, free-range, small-farm beef. Back then, we called them cattle. One year, my grandparents gave each of their five sons and each of us grandkids a cow for Christmas. That's a lot of meat to the store. The deal was that we could decide when to sell the cows, and any calves our cow produced would also be ours. Being a broke 15-year-old, I eagerly awaited next year's sale so I could cash in my walking savings account and buy a car. That's exactly what I did the following fall when I bought my first car from our local auction house for $600. A 1984 Plymouth Sapporo with a bent frame, no radio, no air conditioning. Within a matter of weeks, no catalytic converter. I should have kept the cow. Yes, the cow is Uncle Benny's table. Yes. You should have kept the cow. You look like an online kind of guy. (laughs) From Mike Todd. From Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd, in Columbus, Ohio. Normally when I receive telemarketing calls, I simply ignore them. However, when my caller ID indicated that I was receiving a call from Cigna, I could not pass up the opportunity. <laughs> of course not. I answered the call and the telemarketer began, Hi, my name is Bob from Cigna. I stopped Bob mid-sentence and asked, Are you aware that Cigna is an acronym? Calculated indifference gives no aid? I then told him to pass along the notion of spending a little more time approving claims and then told him to go do something with himself, which I won't repeat here. Fight the power, baby. Well done. From Reggie Oates in Louisville, Kentucky. After hearing you mention the Reggie bar on last week's show, I immediately looked up the candy store and ordered a box of that. As my name is also Reggie, my son Ross, who's an avid listener, saw the title of the show that day was Reggie. He immediately called me and said, are you on the show with Tony? Eileen was such a delight to work with. And she said the orders are pouring in, which shows the power of the littles. I retired four years ago and listening to your show is one of my highlights of the day. Please don't retire anytime soon. Thank you for the years of enjoyment. You may remember me from sending you the U.S. Open golf flag when Tiger won the U.S. Open. I want a custom pillow with Maggie's picture on it, the cash eating dog. Just right I look there. to Both my left. Here. Yeah. I look to my left and I see that right now. Please give my best to the entire crew and the TK salute to all. Reggie Oates in Louisville, Kentucky. Should we get out now? You're looking at the phone. Yeah, sure. Can we do one more? Do one more, sure. One more is good. From Brian in Goodyear Arizona, who was the official dog fosterer of the Tony Kornheiser Show. Had to write to let you know about an experience I just had that encompasses multiple recurring themes of your show. Golf, travel, woes, who you sat next to on a plane, or in this case, who you sat next to in the boarding area. While waiting to board a delayed flight from Houston back home to Phoenix, an older woman sat next to me and we started chatting. The conversation eventually turned to golf. She asked how my game was and I replied, I'm about a 20. In reality, I'm a 23, but I figured I'd use Chuck and Roxy math on this one. I asked her about her game and she sheepishly said, I'm better than a 20. A few more questions and a formal introduction later. It turns out I'm sitting next to former LPGA player of the year, two-time major winner and the most recent inductee in the World Golf Hall of Fame, Sandra Palmer. She had been in Houston attending the Chevron championship as a past winner. Multiple delays eventually led to a canceled flight, shared cab rides to and from a non-two bathroom hotel that American Airlines put us up in, and a few hours of conversation. Sandra made what could have been a miserable travel experience into a true delight. After sticking with her through this entire experience, she offered me a couple of free golf lessons the next time I'm in her neck of the woods. I'm hoping to take her up on that offer in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, I too can one day say I'm better than a 20. It's lovely. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white.
3: Hey, Dad. Dad. Tony. Tony. Dad. Daddy. Tony. Daddy. Dad. Tony. Listen
2: up. <laughs> it died. <laughs>
8: They say life's a journey you gotta take Take every chance, every break Look back with just no regrets Oh baby, my story ain't over yet
3: Gotta go right now,
8: gotta make some moves Gotta figure out what is the truth Still trying to find my purpose is this journey even worth it? I got some good news for y'all. As long as you keep running tall, gotta keep a smile on your face and a good attitude. Cause I'm haters, gonna hate me, and nothing you can do. And I'm fit right now, cause I'm going through everything that I needed to do. Everyone that's coming now Got to filter out Cause I'm all about that life And I'm all about that lifestyle If you chill with my vibe Come and get with me now I tell all my homies Tell them to call me Yeah I'm just chillin' like that Come over and vibe With me Yeah, yeah, yeah happened that I had plenty of years ago. I'm standing tall, ready for it all. They think that they know me. They want to really show me. I know what I'm about. I know what I got now. You can't bring me down. You can't bring me down. No, no, you can't bring me down. now if you only knew me you would see that i'm chilling i'm just trying to do me oh yeah
0: You can hire me to write what you like. I can write kinda funny, I can write pretty dry, I write happy time items for PTI. I can make you laugh, I can make you sob, I can write you right out of your freaking job. I come up with a good half-baked idea, I can write just like Greg Garcia. I'm flexible, I'm available, I'll never go on strike, I can be like Mike. I can write like the Beatles, I can write like the boss, got the Janicey quad, got the special sauce. I can write like Nigel, I can, I will, just pop on in and you'll be through. I can write like Chaucer, I can write like the Like Pablo Torre or Levitard. I can write like... I'm like not surprised I can write like a goy or circumcised. I can write just like Louis Book. I'm the best. I don't need a chair and I don't need a desk. I can write with swagger. I can write with moxie. I can write like Chuck. I can write like Roxy. So when the writers strike, let me take their spot. I'm your dream employee. I'm an AI bot. I can write like Lupica. Sure I can. Don't need benefits or a pension plan. So when the writers strike, bring me in and then you're never gonna want those writers back again. I'm an AI bot I'm an AI bot I'm an AI bot I'm an AI bot